Today's episode of the Theater People podcast is brought to you by Stage Door Manor. Stage Door Manor is now accepting applications for their summer acting programs. You can find more information and application forms at stagedoormanor.com. Welcome to the Theater People podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Hines. Guys, I am so, so, so excited today to get to share our interview with the incredible, the one and only Rebecca Naomi Jones. I am obsessed with this woman. I first fell in love with her in 2008 when I saw her star in the Broadway production of Passing Strange, a show she'd been with since its original production at Berkeley Rep in 2008. I fell even more deeply in love with her in 2010 when I saw her as What's-Her-Name in American Idiot. I also loved her in Murder Ballad and Hedwig. And you guys, right now, she's making her Broadway play debut, as in not a musical, in The Fantastic Significant Other, opposite Gideon Glick, Lindsay Mendez, and Sass Goldberg. If you haven't yet seen Significant Other, run, do not walk to the Booth Theater and get your ticket. We did this interview at the Booth Theater in Becca's dressing room. Yes, I call her Becca. So, you know, be prepared for the usual theatrical background noises. I loved talking to her, you guys. Here's our conversation. Right when it was starting to feel real. So, is it Naomi or Naomi? You know, it's kind of a whatever, whatever you know, choose your own adventure okay. situation. Um, I'm, I, I guess I generally say Naomi, but I don't know why. Because I was thinking there's not an I in there, right? It's N A O M I. N A O M I. Yeah. So. Correct. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know why. I, I, am very open to either. Like, I, I feel like I, I grew up hearing Naomi, but then. As I got, as I've gotten older, more people have said Naomi, so I guess I've sort of it's like so given in. Yeah, well, I'm gonna do a proper introduction. Rebecca Naomi Jones, hi. hi. You don't know this about me, but I am your biggest fan. <gasps> biggest. Um, may we please talk about Significant Other? Sure, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. So you are you're new for the Broadway cast. Correct. I'm the one new. Person. You're the one new one. Okay, that's what I thought. How did it happen? Um, it happened because my beloved Trip Coleman, who I worked with on Murder Ballad a number oh. of years ago, called. Um, because the actress who played the role before had gotten a new job and. Trip wanted to preserve the feeling of having a family with this group of friends. You know, it's so essential to the story that the group of friends that we're following um, is a believable group of friends, that you yeah. believe that these people love each other and have known each other for years. And um, and Trip wanted to have someone join the cast who he knew and who he knew could join this group of people believably. And um, so he just gave me a call. I was working on a play down at the Atlantic, and he called me one afternoon, and he was like, Becca – how would you feel about being in my Broadway debut? <laughs> so, um, you know, what a delightful phone call to receive. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so we worked it out, and, and here I am. Do you know these guys? Did you know these guys before you started working with them? I did. I knew most of them. I had um, done I had done a, a, little, shor- a little short um, moment on a TV show that Sass Goldberg and our other friend Jake Wilson had created. Um, we shot that a couple of months prior, but I had... 
I had met Sass a, a couple of years ago actually doing a reading of Significant Other. Oh. So that's how I first met her, and I was like, how have I never met this gem of a human Same before? Same role? Same role, yeah. Wow. But then I couldn't do it when um, it first happened at the roundabout because I was doing Hedwig. Yeah. So um, so things work out. Yeah. That's the moral of this podcast. <laughs> That's amazing. So it totally came back around. It totally came back around. It's funny how the, that works out. You wow. Know? Um, and then, uh, and I'd known Lindsay for years. Like not, we had never, we'd done some readings together of actually another show that Trip was directing. Um, and, and we'd run into each other at auditions and always had been, you know, fans of each other. Um, in, it, you know, in terms of what our work, but also just whenever we saw each other, it was like, oh, you're a cool, normal person. And I like <laughs> hanging out with you. So this was a real treat. Um, and I knew Gideon, a sa- same thing, from around the way. And um, I guess I had also met Josh through the original reading. But I think that was it. I think that was it. But that's, I mean, that's a pretty yeah, good portion pretty, of the it's people. It's Broadway world. Exactly. Will you tell the people about the baby monitor? Yes. Um, I was just saying that... Um, the sweetest, coolest thing that happened is that um, when we, well, here's the backstory. When we first moved into the dressing rooms, um, we were all, of course, very pleased. Our dressing rooms are of good size. They're really big. They're really big. It's yeah. like you, you don't expect in a nice old theater like the booth that, yeah. that everybody would have nice-sized dressing rooms, and we all do. Um, but the way they organized it such that they could give Gideon, who's the star of the show, and Barbara, who is a star, um, yeah. <laughs> The, the dressing rooms that are in the corner pocket on each floor, which so that they could have more space for, like, a couch, if you will, or whatever. Um, so, so that they could do that, they organized the rooms such that uh, I'm on the floor with Barbara and stage management, and Gideon is on the floor with Sass and Lindsay. And that is all fine and delicious, but... Um, Sometimes Sass and Lindsay and Gideon's floor engages in such shenanigans as uh, sing-alongs of Broadway musicals and uh, dance parties to 90s hits. And, um, you know, there's just like a lot of shenanigans happening up there. And, uh, you know, I'm a little sad to miss it. And Gideon and Sass and Lindsay are sad to miss me as well. So uh, for opening night, Gideon got me the most generous (laughs) generous <laughs> present, which is a baby monitor. That's so cute. And I'm in the process of setting it up right now so that I can uh, I can monitor yeah. their every move <laughs> like a real stalker. I wanted to ask you about making your play Broadway debut. Because, you know, you're so famous for, like, your musical roles, but you're making it, and certainly you've done many plays in New York and around, but you're making your play Broadway debut. Is it's, that exciting? It is the most exciting. It is, is the it most exciting. Is to not have, like, sing for Jesus all night? Yes! <laughs> I mean, every day, Lindsay and I giggle about how lucky we are to not be singing, to not have to be, like, the constant all-day affair of, like, checking to see what's there, you know, not being able to have conversations with people, not being able to um, talk on the phone with people, not being able to, like, engage in your normal human life because you're so afraid of using up your voice. And, um, And so this is such a gift to be able to do the work and continue to feel like a human being. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's also really exciting. It's also exciting, like, you know, to be honest, I love, I have been so lucky to do these musicals that I love and have... That I had, also love. Yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're so good and they're so fun and it's so exhilarating and it's like, of course, there's nothing like the high of doing mm-hmm. a musical. But that comes along with some real anxiety. And like the older I've gotten, the more that thing of like, how is my voice going to, you know, hold up and all that stuff just can create this like 
level of anxiety that kind of sits with you all day. Yeah. And um, so it's it's kind of beautiful to be doing this play yeah. where I can do all of the blah, blah, and none of the la, la, and just, like, you know, (laughs) breathe a little bit. Can we talk about, like, the meat and potatoes of the play? Sure. Because it's, like, okay, so I'm 38. I'm an Mm -hmm. old, old, I'm a grandfather, but... Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Still have most of my teeth. Um, (laughs) But, you know, as a gay man, you know, so your play is about a young man in, like, late 20s, early 30s, -hmm. who is, like, watching all of his best girlfriends, like, find love and get married, and he's sort of, like, struggling in that. And I was thinking, watching this, how, like, I... You know, I'm married. Like, I don't relate to that anymore. But I remember that feeling of, like, the world is going to end if the thing that I want the most I don't get right now. And I was wondering, like, you guys are all, like, obviously the age-ish of the characters that you're playing. And, you know, I'm curious, like, is is this play... Um, have you Did you find your way into it because it, like, is art reflecting life in some ways? Or was mm-hmm. it, like, pure, like, this is nothing like me and I'm just, like, going to find my way into this? Oh, that's a great question. Um... I think, I think it's both. I mean, I think, um, I think when I was kind of digging into my part in this thing, I was not, while I do relate 100% to the fear of being left alone and sort of waking up one day and realizing like you've been prioritizing certain things in your life and not this other like major life thing and the sudden fear of like, oh shoot, like how do I how do I be a real person and also continue on with career work and all of this stuff? Um, but I think I just, I came into the process more thinking about like, okay, uh, how do I explore the truth of this character? How do I make her real? Like, how do I relate to her? Like what, you know, what makes her say these kind of dark things that she says and, and what motiv- motivates her being friends with this group of people and how does all of that work? And then I think, um, in in trying to figure all of that out, I did start to open up those parts that, you know, I keep locked deep, deep inside of me that are those fears that I think we all have at, at least at one point in our lives, which are like, am I doing the – am I, like, paying attention to the right things? The, mm-hmm. the You know, because I've certainly felt heartache and heartbreak before uh, in a major way. And so that's something that whenever you come up with these um, – you know these explorations of a character uh, in a in a play or in a movie or whatever, like trying to trying to navigate some things. That stuff kind of will give you a little sneak attack and be like, yeah. "Hi, remember me? Remember your pain?" Yeah. And so that stuff has come up, of course, and it's it's helped. It's helped me sort of figure out my character in this play, even though it's not her journey that we're following in terms of that heartache. Um, I hope that answers. The yeah, question. it does. It really does. I was thinking. Okay, I was thinking in watching the show. There's, you know, the weddings are like a big part of it. And there's this one part in the beginning where you guys are at a wedding and you're all like dancing together, yep. and it's really joyful. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what's the song. It's a uh, Leanne Womack. I hope you dance. Yeah, which, by the way, I love that song. <laughs> oh my god! I, I no. think my friends. I was like, I'm so lame. I love this song. But I was thinking about how, like. Okay, you guys are up there, like, dancing on this, like, Broadway stage, this, like, it, you know, you're in character, whatever. Do you ever have a Rebecca moment when you're, like, in a moment like that where you're like, I'm young, I'm gorgeous, I'm successful, I'm on Broadway? Like, does it hit you like that? Do you, Wait, wait, do you mean that in my real life do I have moments where I do like, I was ridiculous thinking if things like I that? were you, 
And I were in that scene, in that moment. Yes. Part of me, like, 75% of me would be, like, in character in there, but then 25% of me would be like, oh. look at my life! Oh, yeah, no, I mean, 100%, every yeah. single night, we are half our characters and half yeah. ourselves. I mean, we are saying stupid shit to each other. Oh, I don't know if I can curse. Oh, please, okay. absolutely. I mean, we every single night, we're, like, saying really dumb things, because it's not, nobody can hear us, because the right. song is blasting. So we're, like, we're, we're definitely, like, straddling that line, <laughs> for sure. I mean, we're just being really dumb. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best. I mean, I'm just exactly what you said. I'm hanging out with actual friends of mine, Lindsay and Gideon, parading around the stage in a dumb outfit, <laughs> having a blast, you know? I'm so glad to hear that because I was watching it thinking, like, I wonder if they're just like, this is amazing, oh, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's beautiful about that moment is, like, I have had that moment so many times. I'm sure you have, too, where yeah. you're, like, at a party and you're just dancing inappropriately and, like sort of maybe embarrassed about how you dance and so you like make stupid faces yes, I mean then you do definitely. like you know what's it called like inter- interpretive dance to yes. try and make your friends laugh so that's what's so great about the way it's set up is like it's so real because in the moment we can I can still be trying to like take the piss out of my friends totally you know? so British uh, well you know I, <laughs> I want to um, we have so much to talk about if it's okay with your other stuff yeah but I wanted to like leave a cliffhanger for the audience and dun, just dun, say dun. that the last two minutes of this play oh my god I'm gonna cry the last two minutes of this play is so gripping it is so I mean I was living every second of it with the character I just oh wanted god. to say yeah. that moment is unbelievable it's, I mean it is a very yeah it's really beautiful. Yeah. It's a very beautiful thing, and not to not to again not to give too much away, but it's. Uh, I think it's just part part of it is uh, the the way that Josh has written it is mm-hmm. is the uh, like stage direction wise is very beautiful, and Gideon and Tripp's work on trying to convey what what Josh wrote in the stage directions for that moment is it just it's beautiful work and yeah. it's just it's special. Yeah. Um, can we talk about your musicals now? Sure. <laughs> First of all, you grew, did you grow up here or were you born here? Born and raised. Where? Um, down in Tribeca before it became what? Fancy oh, Pants. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were in the Metropolitan Opera Children's Chorus? That's right. Yeah, from like about seven till about 12, I think I was in the Metropolitan Opera Children's Chorus. Should I put my kid in that? Is it cool? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Really? It's so cool. I mean, the woman who led it when I was growing up, Elena Doria, just passed away a couple of years ago. So, you know, I have no idea. I can't, like, vouch for that person, but yeah. it's the Metropolitan Opera. I'm pretty sure they, like, have their <laughs> shit together. But she was incredible. I mean, she was this older lady who just had this sense of professionalism, and she just gave that to the kids. I mean, she... She treated us like professionals. Well, we were literally the children in operas. So, like, we would go... I I think there were three times a week that you could go to, um, like, rehearsal, for example. And it would be... I think it was, like, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays or something. Or maybe Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There were, like, different times you could go. And you could go two times a week or just once or whatever. And you would be there with the rest of the kids who were in the the chorus. And you would work on different... um, different operas like different parts where it within an opera they have a children's chorus so for example in La Boheme there's something that's like like there's a whole there's wow. a whole thing right and so you you rehearse this all year and then there are certain times of the year when the season happens and so specific operas are announced and so then you start working on those specific operas within the rehearsals and so some kids probably just are there right but at some point she goes oh we're doing 
we're doing La Boheme, or we're doing Tosca, or we're doing Porgy and Bess. So that's, there's an example. We're doing Porgy and Bess. So, like, now the black kids are going to get selected to be right. in Porgy and Bess, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, it, but it just, you know, other than that, it was all very, like, racially rainbow time, you know? It was wow. like, I was in Turindo as a little urchin kid, and you know? And you're standing on the stage at the Met? Straight up on the stage at the Met with, like, fake, you know, dirt on your face. Oh, and, my like, God! rags and tatters and it was the best because like she again she talked she treated us like we were professionals and we were seven right Mm -hmm. so she was like not standing for any bullshit she you know taught us how to have breath support and how to have respect for the work and we even got paid i mean it was like it was like 20 bucks or something but it was did you audition or you just yeah you you had to audition with um i believe it was twinkle twinkle (laughs) my kid totally knows that song yeah she calls it twinkle star we're not quite there yet it's fine it's creativity exactly (laughs) but i think she i think you really should have her do it i mean it's it's amazing i loved it i mean i have like really great memories from it and i think it taught me how to have a respect for totally you know the business and also a joy for it like it was so cool I love just being in the chorus in general but then those couple times a year when I was actually in an opera um, what an exciting thing to like show up at a place and put on a costume and it was at night and like people come see you and and you're on this huge stage singing Mm -hmm. this beautiful music and at the end of the night you like you know your parent picks you up and you go home like a little adult it's the coolest that is amazing it was amazing do you wake up humming Hamilton and singing Sondheim do you dream of a place where there are Shakespeare flash mobs, Happy Birthday is sung in harmony, and surprise Broadway guests fill your world? At Stage Door Manor, kids from every state and six continents spend their summer totally immersed in the magic of theater. I'm sure almost all of you know that Stage Door Manor is the inspiration for Todd Graff's movie Camp and Mickey Rapkin's book Theater Geek. But did you know that you've seen plenty of their alums on stage, screen, and behind the scenes? Natalie Portman, Mandy Moore, Zach Braff, Robert Downey Jr., Sean Levy, and Janine Tesori all spent their summers in the Catskill Mountains of New York. Stage Door Manor produces an unbelievable 42 full-scale shows in eight on-campus theaters, and there are more than 100 classes at beginning and advanced levels, everything from playwriting to stage combat. If it's theater-related, they do it. Stage Door premieres include original stage versions of Rent, Avenue Q, Andrew Lippa's Wild Party, Woman in White, and High School Musical. Stage Door welcomes kids ages 10 to 18, and there are no auditions for admission. They accept all levels of experience and talent and find roles for students in shows where everyone can have his or her moment in the spotlight. Worth Magazine named Stage Door among the top 10 summer programs in the world, and it's been called the Hollywood High of Summer Camps by Playbill. No wonder sessions fill up quickly. Spots are almost gone for the summer, so hurry and go online to stagedoormanor.com for more info. Amsterdam, I'm your flight attendant, Miss Renata Holiday. Welcome to Amsterdam, Amsterdam, and I welcome you most happily to our little cafe. Now, if you okay, not to jump too far into the future, but okay. we, we just immediately have to start talking about passing straight. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like we just have to start. Okay, um, was that your New York City professional debut, other than the opera? Um. Mostly, yes. It was like 2007 at the public. Yeah, yes. It really, I mean, yeah, let's call it yes. I mean, I had done, like, I had graduated from school in 2003, and then I had done, like, tours. I had done a couple yeah, tours, yeah, of and course. I had done um, some, like, little things here, like a fringe festival musical, uh-huh. and, like, little, like, I think I'd done something at um, the, what used to be called SPF, which I think became. 
the Summer Play Festival, I think that's oh, what it was. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, there's little things, yeah. but Passing Strange was my first. How did you get it? How did you book it? Child, I auditioned. <laughs> it was in the middle of this Fringe Festival musical I was rehearsing. I got the script for Passing Strange on a Friday and, like, ate it up. Like, yeah, it is the most genius. Oh, the most genius. Yeah. And this was, like, a really early version. So yeah. it was, like, a kind of a mess, but, like, a beautiful mess. Yeah. And there was so much to it that I was like, oh, somebody That's gets like it. That's the show I would want to see the mess version of. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, the mess version was incredible. Yeah. Um, and and I just, like, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I really couldn't believe that somebody was writing these truths in this yeah. way, you know. Yeah. And then, and, and so I fell in love with it. And then I had my audition that Monday. And what was so cool, too, was, like, there was the script with the writing. And there was, like, you know, these German characters and yeah. these Dutch characters and these, you know, American characters. And then there was also music. And so um, for my audition, one some of the songs were, like, based on actual songs that Stu and his... Uh, band the Negro Problem had already recorded, like just as as songs on on recordings, and so I knew some of the songs. I like I had to sing "Come Down Now," which was my second act song. Um, I had a recording of it of Stu singing it, so that's oh, how I learned it, which yeah. was so cool. And then they also wanted to just like see if you could do because there was a scene earlier in the show where we're in a punk band, and so they they told they gave us a couple of different punk songs we could sing, and we so we just like I learned that and. Um, it's a couple of things like that that just made me love it even more. Yeah. That like I just had to come in and sort of like, like do this punk song just so they could like kind of see if I could sell that, you know. Ugh. Um. So that was like that was that was my audition, and then the next day I think I had a callback, and I remember thinking I blew it so bad. Like really? I yes, because I felt really good about the first audition. I felt like I had done really good accent work. You know, actually my one of my mom's best friends for many years, Barry Alexander, is an opera singer, and so. Um, I had asked him to help me with my German accent because he had done a lot of opera. And so um, so that really helped. And, like, I went in. And I felt really good about accent work. And I felt really good about, like, choices I'd made. And then the next day, I think I just did that thing that we all do where we're, like, chasing the magic that happened the first time. Yeah. And, like, if you don't feel that you're doing the same exact thing you feel like a failure and so I went home that night and I ate like 14 pieces of bread <laughs> I mean, we call that a loaf yeah she, yeah she was a loaf she was a loaf yeah so I mean it was like binge eating and just like total like I'm a failure I'll never work um and then like and then I think like the following day I was in rehearsal for the said fringe festival musical and my then agent my now manager called me and was like um Becca you you got Passing Strange. And at this point, I knew it was a co-production between Berkeley Rep and the public. Ugh. And um, and I was like, wait, what? No, no, no. They, they probably hired me as the understudy. And she was like, no, 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 no. You got the job. And I was like, no, I, I, bet, I bet I got the understudy. And she was like, do you want me to call them back and make sure? And I said, yes. <laughs> like, that's how much I thought I fucked it up. And I was like, why'd I eat all that bread? <laughs> And did you go through like the whole workshop process with the public? I did not. I did not. No, they had already done workshops and readings of it. So you were there for the production that was at the public, and then and then in Berkeley. No, it was Berkeley first. Berkeley first, and then yeah, the they had done all the all the workshops and readings, and even Sundance Lab. And then I, I began for the first production, which was in Berkeley, which was still like yeah. a lot oh, yeah. of changes, a lot of maneuvering. Wow. Yeah. And then it, so it was Berkeley and then the public. And then did you know before it closed the public that you were going to Broadway? We did not. But I think we found out like 
pretty shortly thereafter, I remember Annie Dorson, our director, taking us all out to like a vegan restaurant in the Lower East Side. And, a vegan restaurant? Yeah. We're here to celebrate, guys. <laughs> I know, it's a vegetable. It's because Chad, uh, one of one of our uh, cast cast members, who's also one of my besties, um, is a vegan. So oh. I think she was being, you know. Oh, that's inclu- it's inclusive. Inclusive. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so we I think we found out pretty shortly thereafter. So, wow. Um, yeah, it was and so exciting. That was going to be your Broadway debut. Correct. So you're going to make your Broadway debut in this role that you created. I'm always fascinated when people make their Broadway debut like in a significant sizable role. Yeah. That is so crazy. It's magical. Was that amazing? Yeah, it was it was amazing, especially because I mean because of those reasons, but also because like this play itself yeah. was so specific and weird and special and like there's nothing like it. There's yeah. still nothing like it. So, um so yeah, it was like it was insane. It was one of those shows I kind of went in like, what is this going to be? Yeah. And within 2 minutes, I was like, this is the most brilliant. And then Amsterdam. Yeah. I mean, the most ball-worthy song. Oh my and, God. and then I think about your the performance on the Tony Awards. Uh, isn't that nuts? Yeah, it's yeah. It's one of my favorite Tony Awards performances. Really? Yeah, because it's number one. That song makes me cry to this day when I listen to it. Yeah. But also because it was like it was just so it was. There was something about that year on Broadway between mm-hmm. In the Heights and Passing Strange, and it was like you were finally seeing the diversity, some diversity, and like so a true. little bit more diversity than normal. So true. And I think it was just like watching you guys succeed yeah. so well on the Tony Awards. Because I think when I knew, I'm talking so much, this is an it's interview good. for you. No, it's helpful. But I remember thinking when I knew that you guys were going to do that song, I was like, oh my God, I love that song so much, and this is going to make America want to see the show. Yeah. Like, please do it right, you guys. Yeah. And then you did it, and it was like, it, I, it felt so much like okay now now people are gonna go see oh, this you know yeah. yeah I guess no one ever made him feel as real as when she landed him by lending him her keys they said welcome to Amsterdam welcome to Amsterdam welcome to Amsterdam she said yeah it might look like Sodom from top to bottom a shopping bottom You know, it's so unfortunate that, like, that show should have and could have had even more of a life, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, it did pretty well for, like, a weird, weirdo show yeah. that could, but, like... Well, remember, we didn't know who was going to win the Tony that year. Like, it was totally. not a foregone conclusion that In the Heights was going to win. Right. You guys were, like, right up there. Yeah, we could have been, like, the underdog yeah, winner, totally. for sure. But, you know, it's tough with a show like that. Like, the thing is, is... Like, they had organized the songs within the show such that, like, we, we, we didn't have, like, breaks for applause, that kind of thing. Yes, like, there was yeah. a lot of stuff that was designed to be, you know, less, less, I'm quoting, I'm doing quotes here, yeah, like, yeah. less, you know, Broadway yeah. than what you normally see. And a lot of that stuff makes it hard to, like, <clears throat> give a capsule view of it on something like the Tonys totally. and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah. so, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky looking back on it, but... Man, right. that was a gift. Now we're going to talk about American Idiot, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. No, no, it's fine. It's um, fine. So Mike and I, producer Mike and I, were, like, we're not boy music people, mm. and we loved that album, like the American Idiot album. So good. So much. Mm-hmm. And I remember learning that it was going to be a musical, mm-hmm. and then, so take it away, like, what ha- what happened? Okay, um, my sort of... My my like my memory of my sort of version of finding out about this thing was like, you have this audition for this workshop of a musical. It's called the Untitled Punk Rock Project. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but sure. Yes. And like the audition involved 
singing some Green Day songs, some songs from that album, like portions of them, like random, like funny little. I had to sing all of Letterbomb, I think, or almost all of it, and then, um, and then like a little bit of um, oh, one of those songs that ended up being a Heather song in the beginning of the uh, album, mm-hmm. and um, just that little bit at the end of um, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Ah, ah, yes, 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 that sort of thing. So. Um, so I knew I, I had to learn those songs, and then I also had, you know, since it was a sung through rock opera and there wasn't really book, I they had us uh, read Allen Ginsberg poems, which like just like the Passing Strange thing was like, yeah. what is this magic, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and so I went in for that. Was a little bit confused about what I was auditioning for. It was very sort of hush hush. And um, one thing that was so cool was that they had somebody playing guitar in the auditions, which was so great. Like, to sing those songs with piano would have been murder. Yeah. So, um, so that was delicious because you felt like you could really yeah. rock out. And so that was – actually, you know what? I did just lie to you. I think I had a pre-screen first, and I went in and I sang, like, Journey, which is, like, truly a horrible totally. idea. But, like, it was one of those things where it was like, well, this is not fitting at all, mm-hmm. but it's the th- kind of thing that shows off range and stuff. Uh-huh. So if you're – What song was it? Which – what do you think? <laughs> Wait, what was it? Was it – I only know like five of their songs. That's one of those. Was it the um, Just a Small Town Girl? Sure was. <laughs> <laughs> it was Don't Stop Believing. I will donate $1,000 to BCFA to have you sing that right now. <laughs> Just kidding. Please don't. Just kidding. Have $1,000. That's what So good. Um, yeah, so I sang that, which like honestly is a horrible choice and I don't even think I sang it that well, but luckily um, Carrie had some sort of I and she she mm-hmm. knew that like I could do better than that so um so then they brought me in for the callback and that's when I think I met the team and I did did the the poem and the songs and all that stuff and then yeah ended up getting that job and um and it was kind of a, a weird beautiful event that happened like doing this cool workshop everybody else had already done it before or uh-huh. had been in rehearsals already for it like they hadn't cast their what's her name but they had like gotten everybody else and they had started rehearsal so I came in a little late oh wow yeah it was such a weird thing like they were having trouble like figuring out who they wanted yeah um so anyway that was just like it was immediately like a love affair like as soon as I came in and started working on that music I was like this is so special and it was amazing because when I finally had when I had found out that it was a Green Day musical I was like that is a horrible idea you know like I think it it can really go from like cool to cheesy in a hot second and it's like I don't know about like trying to do a musical based on Green Day music but you know Michael is a genius so oh my god um, yeah so it was it was so special does the pain weigh at the Did you stay with it the 
whole time? I sure did. You did? Yeah. So you did it with Billy Joe Armstrong. Yeah, You did, did it with Melissa Etheridge. I did. Which I came back for because my mom was a lesbian and I was like, if I don't yes. see Melissa Etheridge in this, she'll never forgive me. Oh, that voice on her. I, oh my God. I you know. know, Melissa Etheridge, I think about her every once in a while. Like, it was such a brief moment working with her. But um, I think about her every once in a while because she gave me such a gift one day. Uh, I was, was stressing. Was it Mercedes? <laughs> you know, I can't drive. So I was like, you know what, Melissa? Don't even worry about Just it. Just keep it. <laughs> Just keep it. But do you have pearls of wisdom? And that's when. <laughs> one day I was having one of those like anxiety moments like I was telling you about. And I was like stressing because my voice had been really tired. I don't know what we were doing. It was probably a lot of press stuff. I, who knows? Or eight shows a week or singing Or eight Green shows Day. a week singing Green Day and having like actual primal screams. Right. Um, so I was just stressing and I was like, I don't know. I feel like my voice kind of is going to maybe crack on this one part. And I just, I'm really stressed out about it. I'm so already embarrassed about it. And she was like, you're, you're a rock star. Like if you crack, that's, that's badass. Like, you, you, uh, you got to, like, think that's the coolest thing because yes. you're just a raw rock star. I was like, oh. You know, and it's such a yes. gift to feel that way. And, and you don't get to really feel that way on Broadway because you're, you're not a rock star. You're yeah. an actor yeah. in a play. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you're not yourself. You're not, like, somebody who's just like, I own these songs. They're my songs. I can do them whatever you want. Yeah. You know? So it's it's a little bit of a lie that you can tell yourself, but it, it helped me. That it really helped really me. really good advice, Melissa Etheridge. It's good advice, yeah. Um, I love Murder Ballad so much. Me too. So I didn't get to see it until you guys got to Union Square. Okay. But so site specific, like you guys took the Union Square Theater, like you made a bar out of it. Yes. Your actual playing space was so tiny. Yes. And you're like climbing over people. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And that's all. That's all trip. You know. I mean the the material itself was pretty amazing, but uh, trip just had this vision, like yeah. you know, of setting it in a bar with a pool table and having the actors climb all over everything and climb all over the patrons and. I think that just made it so it special. So, who wrote the music? Um, Juliana Nash. Okay. She had been in that band uh, Talking to Animals. Yes, in the of 90s. Course. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was such a unique experience to like get to take a theater and completely reshape it for your show. Totally. Especially like a commercial theater, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say other than like that show was so incredible. It was so incredible. It was so fun to sing. And you know, speaking of what you were saying about boy music, for me it was such a joy to sing music that had been written by a woman, um, and a, a rock a rock woman too. Yeah. But like, but a woman because um, because I had really done mostly musicals written by men, and they're great men. And yes. like you know, yeah. Tom Kidd is an amazing arranger and all of, of that stuff. But there was something about singing music that was, like, written to be in a woman's range. Yeah, yeah, As opposed yeah. to, like, navigating yeah. with keys and stuff. It's just, it was like, oh, things just work. It's so interesting to think that it makes a difference. Correct. But clear, obviously it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah. But uh, there was just something natural about it. About just, like, singing those songs in those keys, you know? In a small
Chadwick. So what made you come, what, why was that the right role for you? Well, um, I have loved that show and that movie for years. Yes. Like in college, I, oh man, I was just show. I was always like showing people the DVD. Like, like, Thank God they made that movie. I know. You know. I know. I mean, what a special, special yeah. thing that John Cameron Mitchell created. I think that what I love so much about that show is like, okay, it rocks, it's amazing, but it's also the blend of like, such sharp fucking comedy and then like deep deep heartache is like to me masterful like I just like I I, that's for me what what really got me in that in that show was like that sharpness of the comedy and it's like dark it's dark comedy and it's like smart comedy and it's just like you have to be ready for it and 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 I just fell in love with that um and uh yeah I mean I I loved doing that that show because I mean, not only did I love the show and, like, was I totally a fangirl of John's, but I, um, you know, it's exciting to do something that is so different from everything else you do. You yeah. know, like, I play a lot of super feminine, super sexual women. Right. Why and, do you play men? Yeah. And so I got to play a man, and I got to do all of the, like, mask work that I learned in conservatory. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and so that was, that was super exciting to, like, be in this show that – I love and sing these songs that I've loved for so many years, but also like get to do some real, some real character work. How did it? Did Michael just call you and be like, "Will you come and do this?" Or did you have to audition? I auditioned. Well, here's what. Here's the, the like sort of short version of a long story, which is that um, for like the long time they were working on casting it when it first was. Uh, in pre-production, um, you know, I knew tons of women who were going in, white women. And, um, like, right towards the end, like, right before final callbacks, Michael called me. I was out with my friend Shakina getting tea or something, and Michael called me. He was like, hey, this is so weird, but I keep wondering what your Yitzhak would be like. Would you come in? And I was like, uh, duh, of course. And he was like, but here's the thing. Like, it's, like, you know, final callback is, like, Wednesday. We're doing, like, work sessions Monday. You have to come in as the character. So, like, I need you to come in with facial hair and, like, full drag and like figure out what to do with your hair and like full accent you know wow yeah full on and like along with all of that come in singing the Whitney Houston song come yeah. in singing lift up your hands oh like all God, of that yeah. along with um, the long grift so um, do you hire somebody to help you Oh, my God. No, because it was, like, not that much time, and I was like, this is the moment where you follow your instincts, yeah, you know? Yeah, and you're so, training. And you're, and you're yeah. training, exactly. And I feel really good about my accent work. Like, I just happened to, I think because of singing, like, I'm good with accents, so I was like, that I can do. And um, and I knew those songs. I mean, if I hadn't been so familiar with the show, I would have been a nightmare. I would yeah. have been horrible. Yeah. Um, but I think that helped. Oh, and the other thing is you had to come in with, like, you had to create something you had to they come in with either like a poem or a song or a piece of art or something and as Yitzhak tell them perform it read it recite it whatever tell like tell them why that was special to you or like why that meant something to you as Yitzhak so wow yeah so what did you do well I decided that Yitzhak was obsessed with (laughs) Papa Don't Preach (laughs) Um, but like I didn't tell them that's what I was doing so I start I just like recited it as a poem so it was like Papa I know you're going to be upset cause I was always your little girl but you should know by now I'm not a baby you know <laughs> so like I let it sort of like wash over them slowly <laughs> 
So, wow. um, so yeah, that was that was my really dumb addition to that. But um, anyway, so the the like sort of <laughs> like longish version of this shorter, longer story is that um, it did come down to Lena and I. And um, and also, uh, we had done, like, an improv with John in the final callback, which was so fun. Like, John was there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and our, our improv was, like, you know, they, they talked about how special it was and how our chemistry was so incredible. But they were like, you know, we, we feel like with Neil, Lena is the is the person and they were like we'll call you later so they did is that heartbreaking to get that news um yes and no you know the whole time I was a little bit like are you really gonna go with a colored (laughs) (laughs) that's not funny that's not funny we don't laugh about that I can say it because I'm brown (laughs) but um yeah no 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 I was the whole time I was like how far is this really gonna go y'all gotta really like make that bold choice you know I could literally listen to you do that accent all day long (laughs) Like, if we could write a play that you could just talk like that for two hours, that would just be amazing. Let's do it. Please do. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, yeah, so it was like, and it was also, it had all happened so quickly that it was yeah. like, you know, I didn't get have enough time to start doing the, like, daydreaming about what it would be like right, totally, thing, you know, totally. which gets you into trouble yeah. normally. So, um, you know, it was kind of a delightful thing, and then and then I came back around eventually. Wow. Yeah. Who did you get to do it with on Broadway? Um, first, John. I got to do his last wow, two weeks. Which that is was, amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like life-affirming. Yeah. Actually, this is a weird full circle moment, and not to sound like a little, like, braggart asshole, but, you know, <laughs> maybe I will. Um, my, like, one of the biggest, like, most exciting, delicious things that ever happened was that after um, a performance of Passing Strange, when John Cameron Mitchell came, he came a couple of times, but one time, the first time he came, he was like, your German accent was the best thing I've ever... And I was like... Oh my God! I just got the okay on my German from Hedwig! That's amazing! (laughs) So that was very special. But um, yeah, so I did John John Cameron Mitchell for two weeks and uh, Darren Chris for three months and oh. then Tay Diggs for two months and closed it out. I don't have any other questions for you but I don't want it to be over. I, mean, I feel like we did really well. We did. We did really well. Mm-hmm. Rebecca Naomi oh. Jones, I love you so much. I love Thank you, you too. for doing this. I'm so glad we did this. It was so fun. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank Sorry you. Sorry it's hot in here. No, it's great. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So switch the film to black and Theater People is a product of Theater Podcast Productions and is produced by Mike Jensen and me, Patrick Hines. I edited this episode. Special thanks to our sponsor, Stage Door Manor. For more information about their summer acting programs, check them out at stagedoormanor.com. Special thanks also to our Patreon associate producers, Robbie Roselle, Cynthia Wallach, and Ty Williams. Also to Steve Tipton, Eric Emsch, Keith Allen Herzog, Ricky Kondos, Ellen Marsh, and the staff at Oswald's. We'll be back next week. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking. So switch the fear.